All right, John chapter 8, verse 39 through 47. They answered him, Abraham is your father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The word of the Lord. Everybody hear you okay? I'm coming in hot. The only thing that is hot this morning. All right. Well, good to be with everybody. Man, it's a joy to see so many faces on a morning. And I'm going to center myself a little bit here. Uh, on a morning that I think it's like 51 degrees or something right now. So we all don't need to be told that. Um, but I'm excited to jump into God's word. I'd like to open us in prayer and then we will jump right in. Father, we're reminded on a rainy morning that there is this, this stuff, this water that comes from the sky and falls to the earth. And we know our science, but in some ways we know not where it comes from. It comes from above our heads and it falls down and it lands and it, and it does all kinds of things. We get annoyed by it sometimes, Lord, but it waters our crops and it gives us life. And it is a reminder, it's a picture of your grace that comes from a place of we know not where, and yet it comes to us and it hits us and it does all kinds of good in us. It waters our soul. It fills us and it prepares us and it causes us to produce out of us good works, which come only from you and not from our own strivings, Lord. And so we're reminded on a rainy day of your grace. We're reminded of how it falls. We're reminded of how it comes from you. And so God, I pray, Lord, that you would rain upon us, not water, but that you would rain upon us, God, your spirit and your grace, that we would experience the joy of knowing you as we open up your word together and as we spend time together looking at the very words of Jesus Christ. So God, please come and fill us. Give us hearts that are ready to hear because God, we're reading today about a group of Jews who did not hear. 
and we're reading about why they did not hear. And may none of us, no one hearing my voice, be like them and be descended from the one that Jesus says they are descended from. So we pray that you'd come now and fill us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You should already be turned in your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 39. We've been focusing on the gospel of John throughout the last, oh, 10 weeks or so. We've been going deep into these. You're going to have to excuse me for a sec here. Something is picking up. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not really annoying as I, as I talk here. Is it this? Oh, it's the wind blowing in it, isn't it? Okay. You guys are going to have to excuse the fact the wind's going to probably hit my mic. So sorry about that. We've been focusing for the last 10 weeks or so on the gospel of John and specifically Jesus' I am statements, the, the statements that he has made about himself. And here's how generally the story has gone so far. Jesus has made a claim about himself using usually some kind of statement like, I am the, you can finish it, right? The bread of life. I am the living water was one of them that he sort of said. It was, it was close. He also has made some statements where he just says, I am. And we, we got into what some of those means. And I, and I, and I invite you to go back and to, to look at some of what we have seen already. In the, uh, you can go on our website for some of those past sermons. But inevitably, Jesus makes a claim. And then the Jews dispute that claim. They come against him. They question him. They have, they have something that they have to say against him. And then in responding back to the Jews, Jesus will teach more about himself. And so we've been working through these sections in John, not so much um, chronologically or flowing from John chapter 1 all the way to the end, but picking and choosing the places where Jesus self-declares, I am, and this is who I am. So during this back and forth, we're getting tons of teaching. Now this morning, we're going to see Jesus teaching about who it is that hears him. So the, the title of the sermon this morning is, Who Can Hear Jesus? Seems like a simple question, right? Who can hear Jesus? And here's the main point that we want to get. I want to give it to you right on the front so you know where we're going this morning. Who you descend from determines whether you understand Jesus. Okay, let me say that one more time. Who you descend from determines whether you understand Jesus. I, I want to see that in the text first this morning. I want to show you that that's there, and then I want to talk about what that means. Okay, so first, let's see it in the text. Is it true that who you descend from determines whether or not you can understand what Jesus says? Let's look at John chapter 8. Let's start in verses 43 and 44. Look at what Jesus says here. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Why? You are of your father, the devil. Okay, so just stop right there. Why is it that the Jews cannot understand what Jesus says? What does Jesus say? Because you are of your father, the devil. The devil. Now we're going to get there. Okay. I realize we're, we're already uh, several verses into our study, but I want you to see where the main point is coming from. You can't hear me. You can't understand me. Jesus says, because of who your father is, because of who you descend from is what Jesus is telling us here. The logic is that you don't understand because you are of your father, the devil. Now that's the idea I want to press into this morning. 
Now look down a few verses and you'll see it again. John 8, 47. Jesus again says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Okay, so we're going to see that again, that point get made by Jesus. Who you descend from determines whether or not you understand Jesus. Now, is that strange to you that, that a statement like that would be made? Is it strange that you can or cannot understand certain words depending on who your father is? That should hit us as weird, okay? So if you're thinking, that's just weird, that's not how I normally think, that's not the logic that I normally follow, well, that's what we're going to spend time looking into. But let's just establish at the beginning that that's going to hit us as odd. Now, I might travel to a different country, and I might listen to a different language, and I might not understand that language. Why? Because I was not born in that country, because my parents did not speak that language to me when I was a child. I spoke a different language, okay? Now, we get that, right? We get that idea that I can travel somewhere else and not understand them because I was not born in that country. But Jesus is speaking the same language as the Jews here. He's using the same language. The words coming out of his mouth, it's not as if it's gibberish. They get that there are words coming out of his mouth, but Jesus still maintains nonetheless that they don't understand. In fact, they can't understand what he is saying because of who they descend from. So this is weird. We're used to it in some ways, but in other ways, there's teaching us, Jesus is going to teach us something about our hearts that we desperately need to understand and how to come into Jesus and how to actually be a part of who he is and fully understand who he is. Okay, so let's look at our text. And here's the first point, the sub point here, if you want to take notes, you know who you descend from by what you do. Okay, so if you want to know who do I descend from, who is my father in using Jesus' words here, you know who you descend from by what you do. Let's look at John 8, 39. It says, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. And this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. Now, I, I want to just take us back for a second and remind us why this discussion is happening. We are picking up pretty much where we left off last week. And if you remember last week, Jesus made a statement about the slave and the son. If you were here last week, you might recall, he says that he says that the whole point of knowing the truth, okay, and I'm not going to take us back into that whole sermon, but he says the whole point of knowing the truth is that you be set free. And then the Jews respond, what do you mean we're not free? What do you mean? And he says, he says, you're, you're enslaved by your sin and your sin is the main problem. He says, but here's the deal. The slave, as long as you remain enslaved, the slave is eventually kicked out of the house, Jesus says, but the son remains forever in the house. And Jesus says, essentially there, the only way to be in the house of God and remain in the house of God is to be a son or a daughter of God. 
So that begins a whole new discussion where the Jews then ask about descendancy. They say, what do you mean that we are not sons? Abraham is our father. We are in the kingdom of God because we can trace our family line and our lineage all the way back to the great Abraham. And that was a big deal to them. That they could point back to Abraham showed, in a sense, that they were sons of God, that they were in the kingdom, that they were part of his descendancy. Because after all, Abraham was the man. He was the man when it came to, to the Jews looking back at their, at their lineage. He was the original patriarch. So they begin to, to dispute with Jesus. And they say here in verse 39, Abraham is our father. That tells us something about who we are. Therefore, we're sons. Therefore, we're in the kingdom. Now, Jesus does something here that I want us to notice. Jesus says, you, you know who you are by what you do. Did you do the works that Abraham did? Obviously not. If you were Abraham's children, he says, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, and this is not what Abraham did, you are doing the works that your father did. So this is, we want to make sure we're understanding exactly what, do, what Jesus is doing here, because look back at John eight thirty seven in your Bibles. Jesus says, I know that Abraham is your, what does he say there? I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Verse 37, Jesus says, you are the offspring of Abraham. And then here in verse 39, he says, you're not the offspring of Abraham. Now, when we look at that and we, and we, we find these discrepancies in the Bible like that, when we find what seems to be a contradiction, that is always a place in the Bible where you want to zero in. You want to figure out what is the difference that Jesus is talking about. And I think with some thought, you know, we could, we could all agree on what the difference is that he's talking about. He's talking the difference between your bloodline and your spiritual descent. Okay, yes, you Jews are part of the bloodline of Abraham. But your spiritual descent is not from him. You aren't Abraham's children because you are not doing the works that Abraham did. So he can say in one sentence, you're descendants of Abraham. He can say in the next sentence, you're not descendants of Abraham. And those, there's a, he's not contradicting himself when he says that. So biological descent is, is not the main idea here. It's spiritual ascent. And spiritual descent is, is coming, is, is going to determine who is actually in the kingdom and who is not. And, and, and biological descent is, is sort of similar to spiritual ascent in some way, right? We know this because if you're, if you're the, the, the son of someone, or the daughter of someone. They can point to you and they can say, you're like your father or you're like your mother, 
right? You've heard this before. I get my, my son Owen is four. He just turned four yesterday. And, and people just say, okay, your, your son looks just like you. And I can't see that. I don't, I don't necessarily see it because I can't, I don't see myself a lot, but he, he, they say that he looks just like me. And so they can say, oh, I could pick your son out anywhere. Right. So he's got a physical description that matches roughly my physical description. And we say this, we, we know this, and, and not only that, but in the Jewish world, in the ancient Jewish world, there was way more than physical description that would align the children with their parents, right? Like we in the Western world today, we're very free with our identity, right? We're very free with what we want to be. Do what you want to do is the idea that the Western world will oftentimes give us. Go be whatever you want. What career do you want? What is it that you want to do and achieve in life? Go ahead and do it. In the ancient Jewish world, in the ancient world, pretty much everywhere outside of the the modern West, you did what your parents did. If you were a man and you were to develop a trade, to do a trade different than your father did would be incredibly weird. And, and, if, and if, if you were a, a woman, you would follow in your mother's footsteps doing what your mother did. And so it was, it, was, it was, in fact, this is one of the reasons, by the way, that Jesus, when he goes to Nazareth, his home, own hometown, he goes there and almost nobody can hear him. Why? They knew his father. They knew Joseph the carpenter, his, his earthly father. And they said, this is, this is Joseph's son. Now, we don't know much about Joseph's son. The, the, we don't know much about Joseph. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about him. In fact, he probably died early, but I don't know. Maybe Joseph wasn't that great of a dude. I don't know. But they look at him and they say, oh, this isn't going to, he's going to be exactly what Joseph is. We can't separate Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. We can't separate that in our minds from the fact that he's Joseph's son. And so it says that in Nazareth, there was like no one that believed in him. Because this was a big deal back then. You follow in your father's footsteps. So for Jesus to say that your actions show who you descend from was not that strange of a statement to them. They were used to this. It was a logic that they could understand. If, if, if your dad was kind of a jerk, you were going to be a jerk. Like that's just... You are not going to be a kind person if that's who your dad was. Like, it's just, that's what they expected of you back then. So according to Jesus, your actions determine who your father is. Now, we started a psalm psalm study, Patrick mentioned it, um, that we're going to be continuing tomorrow night. We started a psalm study last week. And uh, we, in the study, we looked at this particular verse, and I believe that this is remarkably similar to, to the idea that we're getting across right here about descendancy. Now, now listen to Psalm 1-6. Listen to what it says here. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, here's a few points we made when we actually were in the study that I want to remind those of you that were in the study and say something new to you guys that haven't heard it before. This is referring, remember, to those who stand in the judgment. Who is it that actually stands? When when God judges you, will you stand and will you 
be in eternity with him or will you be judged eternally by him? That's a big question. And Psalm 1 really hits on that idea, especially at the end there. Why do the righteous stand, it says? Why do the righteous stand? This is the, the logic of the text. For the Lord knows. He knows them. Why are you going to stand in the judgment one day? Why are you going to be called righteous in the judgment one day? Because the Lord knows you. Now, when we go to the New Testament, we find out that there is a particular way in which the Lord knows you. He knows you as a son and he knows you as a daughter. You're a child of God, Romans 8 tells us. And that's why you're going to be in the kingdom. It's because he says, that's my son. That's my daughter. Now, go back to Psalm 1-6, though, if you happen to be looking at it. What exactly does he say? For the Lord knows the righteous. No, no, that's not what he says. He says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Well, that's, 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 that's odd. Why, is he, why didn't he just say the Lord knows the righteous? Because it says the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Now, in Hebrew, the word is derech. And it means, it means your conduct of life, the way in which you live your life. So here's, here's the logic, okay? Here's the logic. The Lord knows you how? How does he know my son? That's my son. That's my daughter. How does he know that? That's what my son does. He looks like me in the way he lives. She looks like me in the way she lives. Her way is what I know. And when I see her way, I say, that's my daughter. And I recognize her. Now, some of you right now, if you know your Bibles, are feeling a little uneasy. You're feeling a little like, does that mean then that I have to perform a certain righteousness in order for God to accept me as his son or his daughter. I'm asking you to hold on to that thought. We're going to get to it at the end. Okay. Hold on to that thought. For now, I just want you to see the text. Psalm 1-6. Who does he know? What does he know about you? Your way. He knows your way. He knows how you live. What does Jesus say? How do we know who your father is? Jesus says. We know who your father is by what you do, by how you live. If you were going to claim to be uh, that Abraham was your father, you were going to live like Abraham. Instead, we're going to see to it, he's going to flip the script on them. And he's going to tell them that someone else is their father. So just so you see the connection clearly, Jesus says in our passage in John this morning that the Jews are descendants of Abraham and not descendants of God because of their way of life because of their way of life. Now, this idea of living your life, living outwardly in a way that looks like you are a descendant of God, it looks like you are you belong to him is incredibly important. Incredibly important. In fact, it's so important that this is why at Echo Church we do life on life discipleship. 
This is why we have accountability as a church, why we get into each other's lives and, and get connected with one another. Well, this is why we don't do the thing where we just show up on Sunday, wave at everybody, put on the smile, and then leave again afterwards. This is why we're passionate about discipleship and accountability and asking the hard questions with one another. This is why, by the way, we don't want a person taking communion because they have simply self-declared as a Christian. Okay? The, the, your claim means very little, friends. I need you to know that. Even if you're a guest with us this morning, even if you're hearing my voice or, or watching me on the screen this morning, your claim to be a Christian means very little because Jesus in our passage right here, he's, he's saying, how do you act? How do you actually live? That will show what your claim is. These Jews were claiming to follow God and yet were plotting to kill Jesus. You can see the disconnect there, right? I hope you can. So Jesus is telling us that the outward manner of life with which we live has to be consistent with our claim that we are sons and daughters of God. It's not a perfect claim, right? That's not a claim that says, I've got everything in my life figured out. It's all sinless perfection. No, no. There's a walking in repentance that happens that you can see in a believer. When somebody has put their trust in Christ, when they are fully walking uh, with him, when they are truly sons and daughters, there's a stumbling over sin at times. And there's a repentance over sin that takes place, a getting back up, often with the help of friends, right, around the church, a getting back up and a continuing to walk forward, knowing the grace of God that abounds to them, which sets them free from sin. This is what a Christian knows, and this is what a Christian is. But we cannot divorce our lives from our claim that our mouths are making. And so here at Echo, we, we say things like this, come in and be a member of Echo Church. What is that doing? What is that really about? Is it about, oh, I've got to sign some document and be part of the club? No, that's not what membership is at, is at Echo. Membership is other brothers and sisters around you in your life who are able to know you and be close to you in your life. And they're able to say about you, this one is in the kingdom. And a lot of times Satan comes to bring us to a point of despair, doesn't he? You're not in, you're not good enough. Do you see that sin in your life? Do you see how you messed up there yesterday? Do you see all of this that's going on in life? Sometimes we just go, I just don't feel like I am, like my life is, 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 is matching up because Satan has overwhelmed us with despair. And you know what you need oftentimes in that moment? You need a brother or a sister in Christ who knows you and who has been walking with you for months, even years of your life to come along and say, I know you and I see fruit in you. And so this is not about sin sniffing in one another's lives. This is not about going around and looking for the smallest piddly little thing and saying, you know, oh, I'm judging you because of that. This is about knowing the fruit of Christians, smelling off of one another, the aroma that comes from icy Christ likeness in you, even though it's not perfect. And for others, there may be a sense, there may be a day where somebody comes along and says, yes, I love Jesus, but their life simply does not follow 
what their claim is. What's the most loving thing to do in that particular moment? Is it to go on just repeating that claim that they're making? Oh yeah, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. Until the final day where they stand before God in judgment and they find out that that's not true. Is that, I, 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 it's not loving to do that, friends. And so what do we do as a church in that day? And that's, this is not a fun discussion. This is not a fun thing for a church to do. But what do we do when a person's life does not add up to the claim that they're making to follow Christ? We warn them of that lovingly, gently, but with truth. We warn them of that because we see that there is this connection between my claim to be a child of God and my life as I live it. And that's one of the reasons, that's probably the main reason membership exists at Echo Church. So we can do that for one another. Both the bringing of the person in despair into the gentle, loving embrace of the grace of God, reminding them of who they are when they're despairing, that they might be outside of the kingdom, but we know the truth. And the person that is what, we, what Jesus calls the hypocrite, who claims one thing with their mouth, but actually lives another with their life, and we can warn them. This is how we encourage one another until the day of Christ, where he returns and comes back to judge. That's our job. That's what we do as a church. So just a moment here to talk to, to, to the members and to talk to those of you that are maybe considering membership here at Echo Church. That's who we want to be. Why? Because there are a lot of people that are going to be deceived on that last day. How do I know? Well, look at this verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. This, guys, this is, this is terrifying, this text. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Look at the words carefully. On that day, many will say to me, notice that word. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? I believe that means spoke the word of God to other people in his name. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? That's crazy. But basically the idea is that this is the church doing what the church does, right? We're, we're doing the works of God in other people's lives. And, 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 and there are times where that means casting out a demon, believe it or not and do many mighty works in your name, okay? They're saying Lord to him. They're calling him Lord. They're saying, this is what we did. We did all the things that the church does. We were with the church in ministry, doing all the, all the ministry that, 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 it, that it does. And then will I declare to them, verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So a couple things from that. Number one, there will be many who hear that. Does that send a shudder up your spine? It does to me. It does to me as a pastor. It does to me as one who Hebrews 13 says that I must give an account for a certain body of people. I don't want anyone in Echo Church or anyone hearing my voice for that matter to be one of those many. I don't want that for you. Many will say to me, now, 
they did all kinds of ministry. They were part of the church. I think they were part of the life of the church doing the same kinds of things that the church did. But what does Jesus call them in the end? What does he say about them? I never knew you. What is it? What did, what did Psalm 1, 6 say? He knows the way of the righteous. What does Jesus say here? Never knew you. Why? Because apparently they were workers of lawlessness. What did they do? How did they live? Lawlessness. And Jesus says, because of that, I did not know you in the way that I know my son or my daughter. Depart from me, which is a total and complete separation that will happen on judgment day. And apparently, friends, many will hear it. So Jesus has told the Jews here, he's told the Jews here, you are not acting like your claim to be sons of God. You are not living according to that. Now, they respond by being really, really nasty here. John chapter 8, verse 41, they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father even God. Okay. So I've said this before. I'm going to say that again. this is nasty. This is just, this is getting especially nasty. Now they know they're losing an argument here. They realize that they cannot compete with Jesus on just straight up logic and his knowledge of scripture and his knowledge of, because this is, this is the son of God that they're talking to, but they don't know that yet, but they just think he's using better logic than he's using. Now, here's what Here's what you do if you're losing the argument, okay? Especially if you're a troll, right? So the, the, the Jews the, the Jews here are tro- are going to troll Jesus, okay? And, and if you've never been the exper- if you never experienced a troll, like if you don't ever read comments on blogs or YouTube or anything like that, then you've probably never experienced this and you're you're one of the lucky ones. Okay. But 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 a troll is this. Essentially a troll is a person that says, I can't win the argument, so I'm just going to attack you. Okay. That's that's what's happening here. Can't win the argument. I'm going to attack you. How are they attacking Jesus here? They are saying that Jesus was born into sexual immorality. Now, a few weeks ago, I explained that there was a lot of mystery surrounding Jesus' earthly birth. Okay, some of you guys know this, that, that, that he, was, he was born of a virgin, right? And so he was born, uh, the, 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 the conception was the Holy Spirit in Mary. Joseph was not involved. His DNA was not involved in the picture there. And Mary was pregnant before being married to Joseph. And so as this story got out, there was lots of details that were inserted by less than savory characters who wanted to sort of twist that story. And the story became that Mary had sort of committed adultery or sexual immorality with another man before Joseph and that Jesus was not Joseph's actual son. It's the definition of a bastard. That's the word. If that offends you, I'm sorry. But that's the definition of the word, an illegitimate son. And so what they're saying here about Jesus is they're saying, well, we were not born into sexual immorality. Suggestion, he is. That's the idea. We have one father, even God. Now, I have mentioned before that 
if it were me standing in Jesus' place, I would have called down a legion of angels to destroy them, right? <laughs> I am not sanctified to the point yet in my Christ-likeness. And I just confess that to you guys, to, to receive something like that and just take it on the chin the way Jesus did. Jesus's restraint here is, is not only godly, it is, it is God himself showing incredible mercy, by the way, as he does with you and I every day. His restraint to not destroy us, to not destroy this city or this nation or this world is unbelievable. We sing a song called Psalm 46, where we say, Oh Lord, you know the hearts of men and still you let them live. Like he knows our hearts and yet he lets us live. But just because Jesus doesn't call down a legion of angels to incinerate them doesn't mean he doesn't respond with devastating truth, devastating truth to what they are about to say or to what they just said. Jesus said to them, look at verse 42 to 44. If God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Jesus counters by hammering them with the truth. I don't believe this is gentle Jesus here. I don't believe this is him being, you know, weak in his meekness. This is strong words saying that the Jews are descended from the devil because they are doing what the devil does. That's the idea. That's the logic. Now, this is going to get us into part two of this sermon. Who you descend from, here's sub point two, who you descend from determines what you can hear. Okay. So the first part was that, you know, who you descend from by what you do, not what you say, but what you do. Number two is who you descend from determines what you hear. Now, here's what Jesus says. Look at John 8, to 46. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? When you act like the devil, you show that you are the son of the devil. The main idea here is that the devil is a murderer and a liar. And that is exactly the kind of behavior that the Jews are exhibiting here. But then Jesus comes back to this question in verse 46 of hearing his Voice. Let's look at verse 46 again. If I tell you the truth, then why do you, not, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So Jesus ends this section with a question. Why do you not believe me? And he wants to end with the same question. Why do people not believe me? That's how I want to end. Why do people not believe Jesus? Perhaps you're hearing my voice right now and you yourself do not believe the words of Jesus. 
Jesus is going to tell us, he's going to tell you why you don't believe. Why is it? Let's look again at the text. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. Now we know that the word of in context here means descendants from those who are descendants from God. Is that what Jesus has been telling us the whole time? So in order to hear God, you have to be descended from God. And these Jews who rejected him did so because they were instead descended from the devil. Now, let's get back to these two points that I talked about in, the, in, in our sermon. I'm going to close like this. Here are the two points. You know who you descend from by what you do. And number two is who you descend from determines what you hear. And that brings us to our main point. Who you descend from determines whether you understand Jesus. So essentially Christianity, if you want to get down to it, is being born into the right family. Christianity is about being born into the right family. That may sound elitist in our culture today, but it's true. You must be born into the right family. If you're not born into the right family, you will not simply stumble your way into the right family. You must be born there. And if you agree with that, and if you want to be born into the right family, there is a right way and a wrong way to go about it. Let me see if I can talk about the wrong way first. I want to tell you a story. This is a sad story. And it's a story that's true, and it actually happened. And it has to do with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, in 2013, was sued by a woman named Pamela Smith, who claimed that Michael Jordan was the father of her son, Taj. Now, some of you know this story. For a while, Taj was calling himself Taj Jordan because he believed himself to be the son of Michael Jordan because his mom was claiming that he was the son of Michael Jordan. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the, there's a, there's a lot of backstory as to why she would claim this along with many other women. Uh, that's, that's not the point of this. It is simply to say that there was a boy who was told all his life that Michael Jordan is his dad. Now, he grew up poor, his mom told him, you're the son of Michael Jordan, who not only is arguably, I would argue, the greatest basketball player of all time. He is also worth $1.6 billion. Now, you're Taj. You grew up poor. You're being told that Michael Jordan is your dad. But Jordan, your dad, is claiming that that's not true. Can, can we just stop for a minute and just talk about how sad that is? This is, I mean, this is on a level of like, I can't even begin to describe like the sadness of like this boy and experiencing what he would experience. Now let's just go a little, let's go deeper a little bit into this. I know it's hard. Let's imagine that Taj had a, had a chance to stand before Michael Jordan and say, Dad, Michael, whatever he calls him, I want to prove to you that I'm your, that I'm your son. I want to prove to you. And I know 